I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Look Ahead with Scott Seidenberg on VSIN, the sports betting network. To you from the Circus Sportsbook in downtown Las Vegas. Scott Seidenberg here with you. It's the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. On a Monday night where favorites in the NBA absolutely dominated. Timberwolves, 127 122 win over the Cavaliers. Cover. Magic, 119 103 over the Pacers. Cover. Raptors, 133-97 over the Nets. I mean, that one's kind of obvious. Cover. Heat beat the Bulls, 112-99. Cover. Grizzlies, 118-105 over the Spurs. Cover. Bucks, 130-106 over the Hornets. Cover. Kings, 131-110 over the Thunder. Cover. A perfect 7-0 sweep the board for the NBA favorites against the spread here on Monday. A bloody Monday, if you will, for the books. Although, maybe some of these uh, underdogs were not, uh, were maybe a trendy pick. Maybe there was a trendy dog or two. Some of these were kind of short lines, if we're being honest. That Timberwolves-Cavs game, kind of interesting because the line kept on going back and forth, settled in at three and a half, and it was close at the end. And it actually took a couple of free throws in the closing seconds in order for the T-Wolves to cover that spread. First, it was a three-pointer by Carl Anthony Towns, which gave them the lead. And then D'Angelo Russell making two free throws, which pushed that lead to five. And they covered the three and a half. Uh, The Nets-Raptors game was not even close. Uh, The Nets desperately are just waiting for reinforcements. Brown scored 14. LaMarcus Aldridge had 15 points. Seth Curry had 11 points. This team needs help with a capital H. And you start to look at the standings and be a little bit concerned. You know, the Nets are only four games in to a playoff spot. If they keep losing before reinforcements come back and a team like the Wizards keep winning, well... They're going to be in trouble. Thankfully for the Brooklyn Nets, Wizards have lost two straight and have lost six of their last ten. The most impressive performance of the evening, though, goes to one Ja Morant, who scored a franchise record 52 points in the Grizzlies' 118-105 win over the Spurs. That's his career high. This comes just days after setting a previous franchise record when he had, what, 46? So now back-to-back 40-plus point games for John Morant, who is cementing himself firmly into 
the MVP conversation. And it's hilarious. Because it seems like every week, or at least every two weeks, there's a new player that emerges in the MVP race in the NBA. And so, why not play another edition of Who Wants to Be an MVP? John Morant, with this 52-point performance, has clearly emerged as a legit MVP candidate. He had 46 points against the Chicago Bulls, a team that was in first place in the Eastern Conference, and now a 52-point performance. And this Grizzlies team is shooting up the standings right now, where they are creeping in on The Golden State Warriors just one game back of the dubs for the two seed in the Western Conference. Now, they're not going to finish with the one seed, but finishing with the two seed should be enough to garner respect for John Morant's candidacy. Joel Embiid is still your favorite to win the MVP. And some books have him as low as plus 120 to win the award. No doubt he's had a great season. And with James Harden now in the fold, so far, so good for the Philadelphia 76ers. Albeit this is still the honeymoon phase, and their two wins were against the T-Wolves and the New York Knicks, and they'll play the Knicks once again coming up soon. So uh, I would expect Joel Embiid to have another MVP-type performance. But John Morant is leading this Memphis Grizzlies team. And... If you took him off of the floor, the Grizzlies would not even be close to where they are in the standings. They wouldn't be the two seed in the NBA's Western Conference. So yeah, Nikola Jokic is having a tremendous season, and rightfully so. He's your second favorite to win the award. The reigning MVP has picked up right where he left off last season, and the Denver Nuggets, without Jamal Murray, without Michael Porter, are still... 36 and 25, and firmly in the playoffs as the sixth seed, at least right now, tied with the Dallas Mavericks, who are your five seed. There was heavy conversation about DeMar DeRozan, rightfully so, with all of his incredible numbers that he put up. DeRozan is now down to 13 to 1 to win the award. Giannis is your third favorite, and there's not much more you can say. He's he's going to be up there every single year. He's as consistent as they come in the NBA. And every single season, he's putting up these monster numbers that are capable of being named the most valuable player. And then there's John Morant, who right now is playing the best out of all of those guys. He still is behind when it comes to your NBA points leaders. Joel Embiid, 29.8 points per game. Giannis is next, 29.4. Then LeBron James and DeMar DeRozan. Trey Young, Luka Doncic, who is also climbing up the MVP chatter talks. Uh, And then John Morant, seventh in the league in scoring right now. But it's not just about what he's doing right now. It's the potential of what he could do 
coming down the stretch. You see, the Memphis Grizzlies have the second easiest schedule remaining in the NBA. They play the Magic, the Rockets twice, the Thunder, the Pacers twice, the Pelicans twice. They'll play the Suns, the Celtics, the Bucks. Those are their difficult games. But the second easiest strength of schedule remaining in the NBA. And what that tells me is that there will be more games where John Morant can score well over 40 points. And should the Grizzlies finish with the two seed in the Western Conference, even creep dangerously close to the Phoenix Suns, John Morant could very easily win this award. And let's talk about the Memphis Grizzlies here. As uh, we look as a whole for this team, the Grizzlies are plus 1,100 still up on the DraftKings Sportsbook to win the Western Conference. And there are some books that actually have them maybe a little bit higher, or I've seen them as low as plus 1,000 or actually plus 800. I've seen them as high as plus 1,300 or plus 1,500. DraftKings is right around the middle at plus 1,100. Think about the Western Conference. Who's playing better than the Memphis Grizzlies? Anybody? Bueller? Bueller? Yeah, no one. No one playing better than the Memphis Grizzlies. Maybe the Denver Nuggets, you could say, Both teams have won eight of their last 10 games. uh, But with the Phoenix Suns looking the way that they have looked in the short time span, I get it, without Chris Paul, he's not going to be back for the rest of the regular season. And let's say he misses a little bit of postseason time or there's a re-injury or he's just not himself in the playoffs. I'm starting to think that the Suns are vulnerable. Without Draymond Green, and I don't know when we're going to see Draymond, the Golden State Warriors are clearly vulnerable. But the team that is riding high, that is playing the best right now of anybody, is the Memphis Grizzlies. And at plus 1,100, I think they are a legit contender in the Western Conference, as well as the Denver Nuggets. And we know for the Nuggets, it's about the potential, much like the Brooklyn Nets, the potential of getting healthy. Where, you know, Jamal Murray comes back, Michael Porter Jr. comes back, Aaron Gordon's still playing the way that he's playing, and of course you got the MVP uh, and Nikola Jokic. And at plus 1,500, Nuggets are a scary team, especially in where they're going to be seated if they're six or five and have to play a team like the Jazz in the first round or they wind up playing against the Golden State Warriors. But the Grizzlies going up against... The Timberwolves in the first round? Okay, give me the Grizz. The Grizzlies going up against maybe the Mavericks, maybe even the Nuggets in the second round? Take the Grizzlies. Grizzlies, Suns, Grizzlies, Warriors. Memphis is live, let me tell you right now. Memphis is live. Coming up next, we're going to welcome in Danny Burke, host of Rush Hour here on VSIN. We're going to talk uh, about the MVP. DeMar DeRozan is a guy that we are both on to win the award, although his odds 
will probably go up after the performance that we saw here on Monday night. And the Chicago Bulls starting to fall down the standings a bit here in the Eastern Conference. Is it time to panic in Chi-Town? I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's On Air. This is The Look Ahead on VC. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Welcome back. This segment of The Look Ahead is brought to you by Zen Nicotine Pouches, a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without all the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. No more smelling like an ashtray, no more spit cups, and no batteries to charge or leaky equipment to deal with. Zen Nicotine Pouches are smoke free, spit free, and available in 10 varieties like spearmint, wintergreen, citrus, and many more. And for your convenience, each variety comes in two strengths. You can easily find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zinn, America's number one nicotine pouch, is available in over 100,000 locations nationwide, meaning it's never been easier to find your Zinn. So head on over to Zinn.com find to locate a store near you. That's Z-Y-N.com find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. It is the look ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. Let's welcome in now host of Rush Hour here on VSIN, as well as the Chicago City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. He is Danny Burke. And Danny, are we pouring one out right now for our DeMar DeRozan MVP bets? Oh, man, maybe a little bit. Look, there's still so much time left in the season, and I was listening to your first segment. I feel like you're absolutely right. There's a new guy ahead of the pack every other week, it seems. It was, you know, Joel Embiid for the past month. I mean, technically, odds-wise, he's still there, but then DeRozan was the hot name, and then how can you not give recognition to John Morant right now? So uh, I'm not panicking too much because this is a very – tough part of the schedule for the bulls. So I'm not ready to rip up the ticket just yet. We still got to support our guy, but I'm almost hoping Durant, uh, John Moran actually makes a little bit of steam too, because I think then it opens up the door for more parody, right? It's not mm. just a maybe Embiid and DeRozan type of thing. And Jokic, obviously you could throw in there, but if Moran gets in there a little bit too, I don't know, maybe you can just have more arguments, which could increase the side of discussion for one guy versus the other. I don't know. But then at the same time too, the nice thing about having Morant in there, Scott, is well, he's at the same value as DeRozan right now, which is at about 12 to 1. So ain't too shabby to look in that direction, perhaps. Yeah, and, and it's nice because like if people are talking about Morant at that number, well, then they should still theoretically be talking about DeRozan at that number. Mm-hmm. Uh oh, speaking of the Chicago Bulls um and panicking, losing two straight now. They're two games back of the Heat, just a game above the Sixers in the Eastern Conference standings. Time to get a little bit sweaty there in Chi-Town? The answer is yes and no. Yes, because they have had no success against teams with a better than 600 winning percentage since the All-Star break. I The only team they've beaten with that has been the Utah Jazz. This is, what, the third time they've lost to the Miami Heat. They lost to the Grizzlies twice. They've lost to Phoenix, who they'll see coming up soon. And obviously, Milwaukee, they got an interesting game coming against them in the future. But look, what you have to consider and why it's a no to the panicking is because this team has not been healthy at 
any point in this season from the start of Patrick Williams being injured, then Caruso being on and off with significant injuries. Derek Jones Jr. Finally came back, but he's still playing with a bumped hand. And then of course you're missing Lonzo ball. So I look back at that game versus Memphis on Saturday night and I go, you know what the issue was? They couldn't do anything defensively. They couldn't stop the pick and roll. Nobody could really contain John Moran. Who knows if anybody can at this point, but my point being is if you had a guy like Caruso, if you had a guy like Lonzo ball in the mix, those are the guys who are going to help you get the victories in those games, right? They are going to be the difference makers and the playmakers on the defensive side of the floor. Now what's concerning a little bit is the lack of in-game adjustments we've seen by Billy Donovan. He did a great job of that in a lot of situations at the beginning of the season. You didn't really see it against Miami tonight. You didn't really see it too much against Memphis on Saturday. So that's been a little concerning, but again, at the same time, Scott, I'm not ready to push the panic button on the bulls team because we don't know what their potential is when they're fully healthy with Caruso ball and then Patrick Williams. But like I've said all season, even before the season, Scott, I do still think the pinnacle for this team heading into this season is the Eastern conference finals. I really think that's their ceiling as at this point, considering the guys they acquired. Yes, very solid, but you don't really do a complete 180 like that unless you're bringing in a superstar like Kevin Durant or LeBron James. It doesn't flip that quickly, especially in such a stacked Eastern conference. So I'm I'm not going to say they're going to be a first round exit or anything. I just still think the ceiling remains the same, but you have to recognize the injuries they're dealing with and that it's going to take them a while to get beat up to deal with that adversity in the postseason. So maybe it'll prove to be better at that point. But again, I'm not having championship expectations regardless of the outcome of these games. Looking ahead to their next game, uh, I believe Thursday in Atlanta against the Hawks. Would that be a time to back them to bounce back and snap this small losing streak? I want to say yes, Scott, I really do. But you saw how close that game was their first game back from the all-star break against Atlanta. I mean, they got the dub in that spot, but the home and road splits are also what's concerning about Chicago. And when I was mapping out the second half of the season, I like to always split it up into about winnable games, losable games and toss up games. And I put this one at Atlanta as a toss up game because of the road split factor where the bulls are almost 500. They're 15 and 14 on the road after the loss tonight. And obviously just seeing at Atlanta this past week. Well, you know, Atlanta is going to be chomping at the bit to get some revenge and get the dub against the bulls. But you also have to wonder, well, is this going to be a game where Chicago goes? All right, we're ticked off. We just got, I don't want to say embarrassed twice, but at least once you had two losses, you know, you can beat this Hawks team. You've done it a couple of times already. How will they respond? They're absolutely capable of doing it, but I would not be rushing to the counter to bet the bulls in this game. Like I was this past Thursday against Atlanta, because again, them on the road, and then they have the look ahead to Milwaukee on Friday back at the United center. And that's actually a revenge game for where they lost by four at Milwaukee in the game where Grace and Allen had the dirty hit the Alex Caruso. So really these next two games, and then you got Philly after that, but it's just such a tough situational spot of the schedule for the bulls. So I'm probably going to hold off betting them until maybe that game against Detroit after the Sixers, and then it'll get a little bit easier, but I'm, I'm very curious to see where this line ends up. Scott, I think it could be close to a pick them honestly. And then the way I always like to approach it, if I'm unsure with the bulls wait in game, this is a team that's very volatile. They dig themselves a hole or they'll get out to a lead and inevitably blow it. So if you're unsure, just wait for the end game bet with Chicago. Danny, while I have you, let's turn our attention to college hoops. Uh, Let's look at the Missouri Valley Conference. 
Loyola, uh, what are their chances, in your opinion, to win that conference? Do you think it's them or is it Northern Iowa? Man, I, you know, you can never count out this Loyola team. It, it seems like no matter what, every single season, they're just going to have some magic ever since the historic run they had a few years back. And then obviously what they were able to do uh, against Illinois last season in the tournament, it, it's just really fantastic. And it's getting down so narrow, right? I mean, you have a few teams competing for the top of the conference right now. I, I will be honest. I haven't been delving too much into this conference per se, but based on experience and from what you're getting out of this coaching staff and probably the value compared to Northern Iowa. I don't hate the idea of rolling with the Ramblers here, just based on what we have known to see out of this team the past few seasons. So again, not something that I'm infatuated with Scott, but I really don't hate the idea and I wouldn't talk you off of it. What about the Illini's chance in the big 10 tournament? Yeah, you know, Illinois, I actually think is a team that could provide some value here going down the stretch into the Big Ten tournament. Now, I, I think a lot of people, maybe not a lot of people, but maybe you're more novice, better or college basketball fan kind of discredit this Illini team because you know that you lost Io DeSumo. You know what happened with that exit that I just alluded to against Loyola in the tournament. And you see how good this Purdue team is and what big threats they have. And even Wisconsin, what they're capable of now on top of the Big Ten conference. But I was talking about this with Ben Wilson, who also does great work at Vison and calls a lot of college basketball games. And him and I were kind of on the same thought process. I, I think relatively speaking, a good bang for your buck could be with the Illini. I think they're a little bit north of three to one odds to win the big Ten conference at a lot of shops. And again, a team with some experience still got big bodies down low that could match up with Purdue. And again, based on that price compared to what maybe Wisconsin would be, I think Illinois, aside from Purdue being the short shot, would be my team to win the Big Ten Conference. Who's getting hot coming into the tournament? Obviously, Wisconsin's looking like a team like it right now, and if Iowa can get their shots going down, they can hang with anybody, but I actually think I would put Illinois as the top team to win it if I had to place a little bet, and I'm not saying this because I'm living in the state of Illinois and grew up here. I did not grow up a fighting Illini fan, so there's no bias here, but I do think I'd put them at the top. All right, you have a pick on the Purdue-Wisconsin game tomorrow? Oh, man, I think I got to give a little edge to Purdue here. Wisconsin does a lot of things fundamentally right. I bet on them in that game against, uh, I think it was Minnesota last week. I'm still a little bit salty about that, that they couldn't <laughs> cover and couldn't hit their free throws at the end. But I, I really do think Purdue's a little bit better of a team, and I think they probably get the job done in this game if I had to give early thoughts as of now. Danny, appreciate the time as always. We'll be listening to the CityCast and watching you on Rush Hour as well. Hey, always appreciate it, Scott. Anytime. There he is, Danny Burke, host of Rush Hour, Monday through Friday, 6 o'clock Eastern time. And then, of course, uh, on the Chicago CityCast, presented by Bet Rivers, available wherever you get your podcasts from, or go to vcin.com slash podcast. I'm Scott Sadenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Can get more into the big college basketball slate here for Tuesday. And then, of course, the conference tournaments. Greg Hoops Peterson will join me coming up a little later on in the program. But we'll get back into the NBA because I, I'm curious, where does the value truly lie coming up here as the season winds down? This is the look ahead here on Visa. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. 
everything you need to bet the madness this year with 24-7 streaming, daily best bet emails, and our tournament betting guide, including advice, data, and strategy for only $19. Whether you're filling out a bracket or betting against the spread, our team is here to get you ready for every game in every round of the tournament. Get analysis from our experts, including Greg Hoops-Peterson on every key team conference and player to watch, from the favorites to the potential Cinderella's. Sign up today and get the betting guide plus full access to VSIN through April 5th for only $19 at vsin.com slash madness. Speaking of madness, our very own Greg, Hoop, Greg Hoops-Peterson will join me coming up about an hour or so from now. And uh, we will talk everything college hoops as we get ready for the conference tournaments. Our senior NBA analyst, Jonathan Von Tobel, joins me in about 15 minutes. And looking at the NBA schedule here for uh, Tuesday, as I get my days mixed up, uh, for Tuesday's NBA schedule, uh, here's some interesting lines to focus in on here. The Dallas Mavericks are four-and-a-half-point favorites right now against the Lakers on Tuesday night. Will that line stay at four-and-a-half? Or will the public and the Sharps come in and bet more on this Mavericks team making this line go up? First off, it's a road favorite, but there's nothing about this Lakers team that gives you any confidence that they're going to win this game outright or even cover in a loss. This is a Lakers team that no-showed against the New Orleans Pelicans, losing 123-95 to the last time out. And DeAndre Jordan is now going to be gone off the team. The Lakers are, I guess, looking to bring in DJ Augustine to their roster. Augustine played 34 games with the Rockets, averaging 5.4 points and 2.2 assists. Because the Lakers don't have a backup point guard to Russell Westbrook. Because DJ Augustine is going to make a huge difference on this team. LeBron James is just constantly in hot water as he basically now is upset with the fans. LeBron, quote, (laughs) what do you know about basketball other than the ball going in or not? Shut yo bleep up. Trevor Ariza, I don't give a bleep who you are. You are a bleep. How about that? This is a video that circulated online with LeBron James and Trevor Ariza chirping back at the fan base. I guess fans sitting courtside that were clearly unhappy with the Lakers' performance. And one fan caught LeBron on video responding to the fans saying, what do you know about basketball other than the ball going in or not? Shut your bleep up. And the booze at the crypto.com arena, yeah, the Staples Center is what I was almost called it again. 
the boos were loud, and everybody was clearly upset with their performance. Russell Westbrook said uh, he doesn't care about the negativity. Then again, he doesn't care about a lot of things. Um, LeBron James says the solution is winning. Quote, it starts with a win. That's what it starts with. Try to get off this slide and get a win and learn from that win with things you did well, things you didn't do so well. So it always starts with that and how you can try to get into a game-by-game situation. LeBron is doing everything he can, which it's happened before in his career. He's been in this situation before where he has no help. And without Anthony Davis and a roster that's just old, he doesn't have help. Carmelo is not help. Russell Westbrook, he ain't helping. And so LeBron notched his 500th career 30-point game against the Pelicans. 530-point games. Third only to Wilt Chamberlain and Michael Jordan. And in those 530-point games, four times his team has lost a game by 20 points. Two of those four have happened this season with the Lakers. This season has just gone from bad to worse. And now you look at the standings. And the Lakers are 27 and 33, two and a half games up on the Pelicans for the nine seed in the Western Conference, but also two and a half games up on the Blazers, who are on the outside of the play in tournament looking in at number 11, and three and a half games up on the Spurs, who are the 12 seed right now on the outside looking in. And before you are quick to jump and say, they're not going to blow that lead. I'm sorry. Aren't we talking about in the Eastern Conference, the Philadelphia 76ers playing so well now with James Harden and Joel Embiid's the MVP, and the Sixers are a legit threat to get the one seed in the Eastern Conference. Sixers are three games back. But yet, we feel that, hey, Three games is nothing. Sixers can easily make up three games in the Eastern Conference and and come away with the number one seed. They, They absolutely can do it. Well, if we think that three games is nothing when it comes to a team climbing up the standings, why isn't three games nothing when it comes to a team dropping down in the standings? And if the Lakers continue to perform the way that they've been performing, dropping three games is going to be a lot easier than gaining those three games. And the Lakers are actually going to be on the outside of the play-in tournament. And I would actually bet right now on the Lakers to miss the playoffs in the future market. Right now, I don't even see, there's no lineup right now for them. But yeah, they are. I would bet them to miss the playoffs for the Lakers. Missing the playoffs. And their opponent, the Dallas Mavericks, comes into this game tied with Denver 
for the sixth seed and hoping to climb up the standings because they're two and a half games back of Utah for the four seed. And what does the four seed mean? Home court. That's what the teams are chasing right now. And they're only three and a half up on Minnesota. Who's the seven seed? Mavericks go into L.A. They're going to come away with the win. The Lakers, in fact, with 22 games remaining on their schedule, the second most difficult remaining schedule in the NBA. Two games against the Suns, two games against the Warriors, a game against the Jazz, a game against the Sixers, two games against the Nuggets, and two games against the Mavericks. The second most difficult schedule in the NBA. Elsewhere on your schedule for Tuesday, Wizards, four-and-a-half-point favorites at home against the Pistons. The Celtics, six-point favorites at home against the Hawks. The Raptors, eight-and-a-half-point favorites at home against the Nets. Uh, those two teams playing a um, a little... Uh, Little home and home action there. Then you have the Clippers, who are seven point favorites at the Rockets, and the Warriors pick them against the Timberwolves. That's an interesting one. Pick them. Hmm. See the movement on that. But Warriors are pick them. In Minnesota, and then, of course, that game at night with the Mavericks and the Lakers. The other game that kind of intrigues me is that Celtics game. Because Boston, up until this little stretch here where uh, they lose to the Pacers, well, they lost to the Pistons going into the All-Star break. Then they win two straight. Everything looks great. But then they lose to the Pacers, and I was shocked that they lost that game. This is a team that is really, according to the metrics, playing better than anybody in the Eastern Conference. And so, looking at them to bounce back from that loss against the Hawks, yeah, I think that's a good spot for them. Jonathan Von Tobel, our senior NBA analyst, joins me next. I'm Scott Seidenberg. It's The Look Ahead here on VSIN. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vsin.com to check the current betting splits data. This new feature gives you insights on where the money and bets are moving for every game. You'll be able to see where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. Data is available for money line over, under, and against the spread bets. Betting splits are another way vsin is here to make you a smarter, better year round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at vcin.com. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. It is the look ahead on vcin, the sports betting network. Joining me now is vcin's senior NBA analyst, host of The Edge, as well as the Hardwood Handicappers podcast, and now 
the live edition on Sunday evenings. Jonathan Von Tobel, JVT, now live on Sundays with Hardwood Handicappers. How's that going? It- Yep. Uh, one episode down, they're working me down to the bone. Uh, no, it's, it's, it's good. You know, uh, the, uh, the NBA season, we're in the home stretch. The playoffs are going to be freaking awesome uh, because this year it seems more wide open than years past. And think about it, you know, each of the last three seasons, we've had a different champion and there's been no repeat team in the NBA finals. We've had two new teams battling for championship each and every year of the last three seasons in the NBA finals. So this is setting up to be a pretty good year and I, I cannot wait to see how this is all going to conclude. So it'd be cool to do it every single Sunday live. You know what I mean? Just pure, unadulterated NBA content. <laughs> we love it. Uh, looking at the performance by Ja Morant here this evening, uh, are we pouring one out for our DeMar DeRozan MVP tickets right now, or are we still holding on to them? No, nah, I mean, I mean, if, if you're pouring one out, it's because, you know, Joel Embiid or Nikola Jokic are going to win this thing. I just... So in today's day and age, when so many more, uh, so many people are more, a little more analytically inclined, you know, one of the things that I think has always worked against John Morant is that his team's net rating is better with him off the court than it is with him on the court, right? They're they're ten and I think they're ten and two or eleven and two straight up in the games that he's missed this season as well. Uh, you know, he's he's got a really good team and, and like you know, he's a very good player. This is not to denigrate John Morant, and he's very important for what they do, especially in some of these clutch minutes. And he's got some decent clutch minutes in terms of the the numbers, but I think it's hard for him if he's going to win it or like surpass a guy like a DeMar DeRozan or anything like that. He gets the internet points in terms of highlight reels Mm -hmm. and everything he's done. But I think if you're talking about value to his team, DeMar DeRozan, Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid, I think have a much stronger case for the award than John Moran at this point. Looking at the Grizzlies as a whole, are they live to win the Western Conference? Oh yeah, I mean, look, they're a young team, and you never, you never really see a young team make that leap, right? To a team that has won one playoff game. I remember they got just manhandled in their series against Utah Jazz outside of one contest. Uh, then go to you know winning a conference. That's a really big leap for a team to make. But if you look on it, you know, look at everything as currently constructed. The Phoenix Suns without Chris Paul, let's say for some reason that injury hangs around a little bit. They looked like a very flawed team. The Golden State Warriors are flawed, and Draymond Green had a weird press conference the other day while he returned to a non-contact practice. You know, he doesn't know when he's going to come back at some point. And then the teams around them, right, the Denver Nuggets, the Utah Jazz, all these teams are flawed and can be beat unless Denver gets healthy. But I would say, yeah, like they're they're very live in a Western Conference that I think is wide open, has a bunch of teams that are currently on the same level with one another. You mentioned if Denver gets healthy if Murray's back if Porter Jr's back to go along with the way that Gordon and uh, of course Jokic has been playing would you rather have the future bet on them than a team like the Grizzlies I have the future bet on them I bet them a couple of days ago at 16 to 1 uh, to win the Western Conference you know that it, it, so it's funny Scott because like everybody's always asking the question right it's we have all these clips of it's like where's the value on this where's yeah. the value on that yep. You know, to, to me at this point, when it comes to evaluating futures markets, you know, when you want value, you're trying to take a stab, right? Because value is just finding it before the number moves. And that means you got to gamble a little bit. And so here with the Denver Nuggets, you're gambling on the fact that Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray are going to come back at some point. We even got a report, uh, right, about 24 hours ago that Michael Porter Jr. was going to be back in sometime in March, according to his agent, and that there are more rumblings that Jamal Murray is going to return at some point before the postseason begins. So to me, that's where you find your value. That's where you you grab 16 to one on a team that eventually can get to like 10 to one to win a Western conference a little bit lower. And 
Last year, when they were all together, they were really good. And I'm just talking about Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, and Aaron Gordon. That doesn't even include Michael Porter Jr. in the picture, who was so-so eh, last year after a really strong finish to the year before. But this team's going to be incredible. I mean, with Jokic on the floor, they're better than the Suns. And then all of a sudden, you add guys like Murray and Porter Jr. to the mix, they're going to be a threat in that conference. So that's what I did. Uh, let's talk about the Philadelphia 76ers, the new-look Sixers with James Harden. I know it's two games. I know it's the Timberwolves and the Knicks. But what do you make of the marriage so far? Hey, Timberwolves are a playoff team, it yep. looks like. So, you know, it's nothing to sneeze at in terms of what they did in Minnesota. And, you know, it wasn't the best spot in Minnesota. Second leg of a back-to-back. They just beat Memphis. But, look, uh, it, through two games, I mean, uh, you're talking to a James Harden stand. Like, I, I like Harden <laughs> as a player. Uh, I think James Harden is very underrated. Uh, you know, I get that people don't like his game, and I understand that people don't like him as a player given what happened at the end of the Houston tenure and now in Brooklyn. But this whole narrative that Harden was cooked and he had nothing left to offer uh, was ridiculous. He, he's an extremely good player, paired up with Joel Embiid. They fit perfectly together. Their two-man game is going to be incredible. And here's a, here's a shocking thing for everybody out there. Stars adjust their game. Right. You know, there was talks like Joel Embiid, you know, not really a true screen and roll guy. He never usually finishes on those roles. Well, guess what? Now he is because he has James Harden as a player. So he's going to finish on some of those roles and there's still going to be short roles and, you know, pick and pops and things like that. But now all of a sudden the floor is so much more open for so many different guys. Tyree Smacks in the last two games has over 20 points. He's looked incredible and Harden really likes him. So. You're right. It's only two games. It's a short sample size. Offensive rating of 124, but this thing is going to work on the offensive end of the floor. I want to see them get tested by a better offensive team and see how they react defensively because you haven't seen that Harden and Bede pick and roll defensively get worked a little bit in these last couple of games. But I think overall, uh, this is going to work out splendidly for the 76ers, and they're definitely a contender in the Eastern Conference. There's no doubt. When healthy, which team matches up best with them? I think they all kind of match up really well with one another, right? I mean, the problem with uh, with the Philadelphia 76ers is, like, their depth. So, for example, you know, in these bench minutes, Doc Rivers done a good job of essentially keeping Embiid and Harden on the floor, at least one of them, at all times. But the backup center right now for Philadelphia is Paul Millsap. That's not going to work going forward. And they're already getting tied to DeAndre Jordan's yeah. backup center. That's, that's not going to be good. <laughs> DeAndre Jordan is a big body but he's a poor defensive center. And so, you know, they're going to be flawed in those bench minutes when Joel Embiid is not out there. And so teams like Milwaukee or um, the Brooklyn Nets, when they're fully realized, can I think match up very well with them too. So like each and every one of these Eastern teams, they're obviously not perfect. They all have their flaws. So like, I think they could lose to any of the teams in the Eastern conference. That includes Boston. That includes Miami. Um, maybe not much, so much Chicago. I think they match pretty well with them, but any of those other contenders we're talking about, uh, Philly could definitely lose to them. Let's talk about the Tuesday slate. Uh, looking at the night game, the Mavericks, a four-and-a-half-point favorite at the Lakers. We know L.A. has been struggling. That game against New Orleans was ugly. Uh, are we backing uh, Dallas to come away with the victory here and cover the spread? You know, you're you're losing value in playing against the Lakers at this point. I mean, look, the Pelicans uh, yesterday. What's funny, the market actually was moving against the Pelicans, uh, but I thought they were going to be a hot commodity, but ultimately they weren't. Now the, the market has turned their back on them. But you and I were joking uh, off the air, right? If people are going to look at the Lakers and consider them a desperate dog. Well, you know, the other day I was desperate to win a bet because I was a little bit of a slide, and Enos Freedom <laughs> Cantor hit a three to get the game over the total by a half point, right? Desperation doesn't mean that things are going to happen for you. The last two games, man, like offensive rating of one, one flat against the Clippers, 86.7 against the Pelicans. This team is just untouchable, the Los Angeles Lakers at this point. And I'll tell you what, so LeBron James, since we've come back from the injury, or excuse me, from the uh, All-Star break, has been on the injury report every single game with a sore knee. 
at some point he's going to start sitting these games out if they continue to lose these contests. And maybe that's not a terrible thing because then Russell Westbrook gets to run the show. But this is just there's so much toxicity and negativity around the Los Angeles Lakers. I don't want to be holding four and a half with them at all, even if it's a you know good number. And by the way, we just watched an average going to 26 to one run, beat the Golden State Warriors, one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. You couldn't even score 0.9 points per possession against the Pelicans. What are you going to do against the Mavericks? They're better without Porzingis, and I didn't think that that was going to be the case. Yeah, it's true. I and mean, like, there's they're still struggling offensively, right? It's why you need to go on a 26 to one run to to win a yep, game, and yep. you were down by as many as you were. Uh, but uh, Jason Kidd deserves credit because I didn't think he was going to work out. And there's complaints about that offense, especially, you know, you shouldn't be average like 15th or so in offensive rating with a guy like Doncic out there, but he's taken the same personnel from a season ago and two seasons ago that were very subpar defensively and made them one of the best defenses in the NBA. And he deserves a lot of credit for that. Uh, final thing. Are we back in the Celtics in a bounce back spot against the Hawks? Yeah, and I I was leaning a little bit towards Atlanta. Uh, I think when you look at when you looked at their first matchup, Atlanta actually had a really big lead in the first half before really shutting down and missing a lot of shots in the second half against Boston. And you know, Boston, it's just it's hard to continue this defensive intensity as you move forward at each and every game. You know, don't get it twisted. During that win streak they were on, there was defense. Their offense was still 18th in efficiency, and it's been a problem for them all year long. And, and I think Atlanta showed that they could match up with that well in that first half when they played right before the break. Uh, Atlanta looking for a little bit of revenge in a very important spot for them. I, I leaned a little bit toward Atlanta, enough at official, though. All right, JBT, great stuff as always, and we'll be watching and listening uh, every time you're on the network, which is going to be almost 24-7 coming up. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> there he is. Jonathan Von Tobel, our senior NBA analyst, host of The Edge, Monday through Friday. And then, of course, the live edition of Hardwood Handicappers on Sunday. You can catch it in podcast form wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is The Look Ahead here on v the Sports Betting Network. 